Okay, I have a question for you guys. How many of you are important? Any, anybody important here? We've got a couple of hands, okay. <clears throat> we got some important people here. How many of you have ever felt important? More hands, okay. <clears throat> this is a story about a man who was important and felt important. He was important and he felt important. We've already read the story. It wasn't until uh, Pastor Belcher was reading that I noticed all those bees. Baradach, Baladon, son of Baladon, king of Babylon. It's, when you read it out loud, it really has a rhythm to it, doesn't it? <clears throat> but that's not who the story is about. The story is about Hezekiah, of course. And Hezekiah, we saw last week as we were studying, we saw that he was sick, that the Lord told him he was going to die, and that then he prayed, and God answered his prayer. God healed him miraculously. God gave him a sign. What a man Hezekiah was, a man of prayer, a man of faith, a man who led the people of the Lord into righteousness and holiness, who led them into the tearing down of the high places, the destruction of idols. He was the king. If there's anything that defines what it means to be important, surely king qualifies, right? And the work that he was doing was important work. Important and good. This week, we find the limits of Hezekiah's wisdom and righteousness. This week, we discover that even Hezekiah, that great and wonderful king, there were none like him before or after who followed in the footsteps of his father David. And yet even Hezekiah was truly holy a sinner, wasn't he? He was a sinner. And how was Hezekiah a sinner? <clears throat> Have any of you uh, ever been a show-off? Anybody ever been a show-off? I used to be a show-off with the things that I could do physically until I couldn't do them anymore. So that ended. But not because I had learned humility, although God tried several times to teach me humility through my failure of accomplishing the things that I thought I could accomplish physically. Several times where I thought that I had broken my neck or my back through attempting to do foolish things in my pride that I thought I could accomplish. It's only just now as I'm preaching that I realized how I missed God's warnings to me through those things. You ought to learn from me learning now so that you don't do foolish things attempting to show off and have God break you. Hezekiah is a show-off 
in this passage. Hezekiah receives important visitors. So that's what, the, uh, that's what that start is. Baradak Baladon, son of Baladon, king of Babylon. And Babylon was important, not quite as important as it would be soon, because soon Babylon would be the empire that ruled the world. Right? But right now, Assyria is the empire that rules the world. Babylon and its king and its king's son come to Hezekiah because they heard that he had been sick. And so Hezekiah Shows them everything, right? Now, why does he show them everything? There's not a penny that he doesn't, that he doesn't show them, right? I see that hand, but I'm not going to let you answer. It was a rhetorical question this time. Sorry, bud. <laughs> God has healed Hezekiah. God has blessed him with wealth, with treasure, with power, with armies, with success, in engineering projects. And by the way, that's like, that's what Hezekiah is remembered for at the end of our passage, right? They're mentioned, they're important parts of what it means to be a successful king, a good ruler, to improve the lives of the people that are under you. These are all things that God has blessed Hezekiah with. And yet when the foreigners, the heathen important people, come, the non-believing son of the king of Babylon, when he comes with a present and with letters, Hezekiah shows off everything that he's been given. And he does not give glory to God, does he? He doesn't praise the Lord for these things. Hezekiah is proud. And he's enjoying the flattery. And there is flattery here. Okay? What seems to be going on with these letters that he received is that there's talk of an alliance, an alliance between Judah and Babylon against Assyria. You've got to remember geopolitically what's going on, that there's danger in the air. And so, to send the son of the king of Babylon with letters and a present, yeah, they had heard that he had been sick, and that is the excuse, right? But clearly something is going on. It says, verse 13, Hezekiah listened to them. And the result of listening to them is that he shows them all his treasure house. The silver, the gold, the spices, the precious oil, the house of his armor, all that was found in his treasuries. There was nothing in his house nor in all his dominion 
that Hezekiah did not show them. He showed them everything he could bring to the table. Right? After all, he is king. He is a successful king. He is an important, powerful man. He has much money, many soldiers, and much wisdom that he can offer to this alliance. Wouldn't you feel important if the second strongest nation in the world came to you and wanted to know what you could bring to the table? Brought gifts, brought letters, brought praise of you. And you had something you thought you could offer. Yes, as a matter of fact, I have something. We can pay for an awful lot of mercenaries with this gold, and here's the size of my army, and we've got plenty that we can bring to the table. Important, powerful people want to know what I have done, what I have made, what my wealth is. We love to feel important, don't we? And can you understand Hezekiah feeling important here? He actually does have a position as king, right? He actually does have wealth. He actually does have success. He actually does have a realm with all the resources that of that realm that he can draw on. But where did it all come from? All of it was a gift from God, right? What have you been given that you feel so proud of? It might be your body. It might be your money. It might be your work ethic. It might be any number of things that you feel so proud of. It might be it might be your connections. This gets kind of into the second part of what Hezekiah has now, right? He doesn't just have a kingdom. He has important visitors. Have you guys ever had important visitors? I was just reminded this last week of the king's speech. You remember the uh, scene when, the, uh, when they're at somebody's house and a person has no idea what to do with these important visitors. They're put out of their misery, thankfully. Uh, what, what was the line? Alas, alas, previous engagement. Hezekiah has important visitors. You guys have heard of name dropping, right? None of you, I'm sure, have ever done it though, right? I'm going to tell you about my most embarrassing moment in my whole life. 
if I remember it, that's, this, is, this is when I, you know, I ask, what's your most embarrassing moment? Oh, I don't know. I remember that time I was running around in my underwear. That was embarrassing. But no, this, this is the most embarrassing moment of my life because this is when I learned that I'm nothing. I am nothing, though I thought I was something. So this happened to me when I was in college. I shouldn't say it happened to me. Rather, I did this when I was in college. I was old enough to know better. You're all old enough to learn from this. If you can understand this story, then you need to learn from it. So that you don't behave like Hezekiah. And like Pastor Bailey, who in his foolishness decided that he was going to be important. Now around the time that I was in college, there was a girl that I liked. Her name was Heidi. And she went to Wheaton College. And one day, I went up to visit Heidi at Wheaton College. And at Wheaton College, which is a place of very much most importantness among Christian evangelicals, at Wheaton College, they brought somebody to speak in chapel who was also very important and who brought much reputational increase to their institution. J.I. Packer was speaking at chapel that day when I went to chapel with my girlfriend, Heidi. Now there is a book that J.I. Packer wrote that some of us have read. We read it even in men's studies. Who, who can tell me what that book is called? Knowing God, that's right, that's right. There's another man named John Piper. John Piper is not J.I. Packer, and they would be hard to confuse. And he wrote a book, anybody can guess, Desiring God. Now, desiring God and knowing God are easy enough to confuse. Not that the content of the books is remotely similar, but just the titles you understand. At this time, my father was engaged in important work seeking to protect the Bible translations from being edited by men to be made politically correct. And he had contact with many important men who were doing important work. And I felt like I was involved in that work as a college student. 
And my dad had recently given me a couple of books that he had grabbed and gotten signed by John Piper, including Desiring God, which I had never read, probably never even cracked the cover. And after important J.I. Packer finished his chapel service, people went up and talked to him, and I, I hung around, and I thought, you know, I think I'll go talk to J.I. Packer, Jim. You know Jim, right? And I brought my girlfriend up with me to talk to Jim. Are you guys as embarrassed for me yet as you ought to be? Because you know what I did, right? Oh, I didn't call him the wrong name. I just went up and told him who my dad was, expecting him to be impressed. He wasn't. He didn't, he didn't even seem to recognize his name. And then I had nothing to say. So in an effort to uh, recover this situation such as it was, I asked him, what was your favorite book to write? I told him that my dad had just given me a copy, signed, that he had just signed a, a book for me. Oh, we love to feel important, don't we? And isn't it God's mercy when he reminds us that we aren't? Oh, we're not important, are we? Hezekiah, he was actually king. He actually had an army. He actually had gold. He was actually important. But even Hezekiah, he wanted to feel important. And flattery was not above working on Hezekiah. Remember, he's just been healed. Second Chronicles 32 makes this clear, makes this quite explicit, what's going on. After his healing, it says, Hezekiah did not make return according to the benefit done to him, for his heart was proud. We don't have to read 2 Kings and, and just guess at what was going on, right? If it wasn't clear enough, Chronicles makes it explicit. Is there a single great man in Scripture that doesn't find himself undone by the sin of his pride? David, Solomon, even Moses, the humblest of all men. Stumbles and he suffers for it. 
God tests Hezekiah. It says in Chronicles what's going on here. And he tests Hezekiah, leaving him to his own devices. And what does Hezekiah do? He takes credit for the gifts of God. What do you take credit for? Oh, your children are so well behaved. Yeah. It's not an accident. And it's not an accident. It's because God has given us His glorious, wonderful promises and instructions and we've just followed it. Right? God gets all the glory or we are idiots. Because if we don't give Him the glory, what's going to happen? Pride goes before the fall, right? Like Nebuchadnezzar and Herod, men who you don't want to be like, Hezekiah doesn't give glory to God He doesn't make return according to the benefit done to him. Now what should he have done? To make return for God's healing would be to give God the glory. Right? To praise him for it. To call the sun worshippers To worship the God who made the sun go back ten steps. But he doesn't give anything back to God. He doesn't make a return on the investment that God has given him, does he? And yet even... Still, Chronicles also makes clear that God's favor was on Hezekiah, even in allowing this to happen. It places it in the midst of what God has, what God accomplished, what God gave to Hezekiah, what Hezekiah accomplished. And it says, even in that, the Lord was testing him, which is to say, God disciplined Hezekiah, right? God disciplined Hezekiah. And what does that tell you about Hezekiah? It tells you that God loved him, doesn't it? Because the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. And so what does he do? He teases out Hezekiah's pride so that he can discipline it. And isn't that helpful to us to see Hezekiah's sin and pride pulled out so that we ourselves might not be proud? So that we can learn from his mistakes, so that you can learn from my mistakes, so that we don't have to fall into that same sin of wanting to be important.
A couple of great quotes from Matthew Henry on this particular passage. He says, God left him to himself to be proud of his wealth to keep him from being proud of his holiness. There was no doubt that he wasn't holy after this, was there? He was a holy king, but he still had sin, didn't he? Henry continues, he says, It is good for us to know ourselves and our own weakness and sinfulness so that we may not be conceited or self-confident, but may always think meanly of ourselves. Meanly, thinking meanly of yourself doesn't think that you are mean. It means to think lowly of yourself. To never be thinking, oh, look at the toys I have. I'm important. Oh, look at the car I have. It was a gift from my father. Oh, look at the house that God has given to me. No. Oh, look at how good I am at raising children. Oh, look at how wise I am about food. Oh, look at what I know. No, we are to think meanly of ourselves and therefore live in dependence upon divine grace. That's what Henry says. One more quote from him. He says, Hezekiah was proud of the honor God had put upon him in so many instances. We've talked about him, right? The honor his neighbors did him in bringing his presence. Yep. It's another honor, isn't it? And now that the king of Babylon should send an embassy to him to caress and court him. Oh, makes you feel important. This exalted him Above measure. So here's what it says. When Hezekiah had destroyed other idolatries, tore down the high places, broke down the Asherah, eliminated the Baal, right? When Hezekiah had destroyed other idolatries, he began to idolize himself. And so God's discipline is all these things that you showed them, I'm giving them all to Babylon. I gave them to you, and now I'm going to take them away from you, and I'm going to give them to Babylon. Even your sons shall go to Babylon. Now, Hezekiah's response, I want to read again from Second Chronicles 32, 26, says, However, Hezekiah humbled the pride of his heart. This is good news, isn't it? Every time you read somebody humbled himself, you know that that's good and that good things are coming. 
Because just as certain as it is that pride goes before the fall, so God will raise up the humble. Hezekiah humbled the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And this just so perfectly shows the relationship between a king and the people, between the rulers and the people. We see it today, the people that we elect, right? We see the relationship, it's, it's undeniable, the relationship between the people and the rulers. But even with a king, they didn't elect, they didn't choose, right? The relationship is clear. Hezekiah was proud because the people of Jerusalem were proud. The people of Jerusalem were proud because Hezekiah was proud. It's a feeding frenzy. Pride feeds pride. And humility feeds humility. And so they both, they all, humbled themselves so that the wrath of the Lord did not come on them in the days of Hezekiah. Now again, I read this to try to help us make sense of our passage in 2 Kings. God apparently reveals to him at some point, after he and the people humble themselves, that it will not be during his lifetime. And Hezekiah responds by saying that it's good. The word of the Lord which you have spoken, he's talking to Isaiah, is good. Tov is the Hebrew word. You guys know I don't go in for the Hebrew language very much, right? But I decided, I was curious about this word. and Tov I remembered the moment I read it. You guys know that song? You know what that you know what that song is? Behold how good. Good, that same word, tov. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Tov, it is good. The word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. The word of the Lord is always tov, isn't it? What is the word of the Lord? The word of the Lord is that the wrath of God is coming, but it has been delayed. The wrath of God is coming. But God has been merciful to wait, to not send the judgment yet. Is that not good? That's true of us today. The judgment and the wrath of the Lord is coming. But it hasn't come yet. Good. Because we pray day by day for peace. 
so that we may live quiet, peaceful lives in holiness. That's why we pray for our kings and our rulers, right? It's good. And will it not be good when he pours out his wrath on this nation of bloodshed? It will be good, won't it? But Lord, may it not come during our day. And this is why Hezekiah's response, the word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. And then he thinks to himself, it is. Is it not so? If there will be peace and truth in my days, Hezekiah's reason is that there will be peace and truth lasting during his days. We should pray that God will be merciful and not send judgment yet. Now, does this mean that Hezekiah is just happy that his sons are going to suffer? No. It doesn't mean that any more than it means that, the, that God is punishing the children for the sins of the Father. As we'll see, the children have plenty of sins of their own. Hezekiah's son is wicked, just as Hezekiah's father was wicked. But peace and truth will last during his days. Do we not want both peace, but also truth to reign today? To not be lost in this church? Do any of you have any thoughts about the far distant future regarding institutions? What will happen to Mars Hill Academy in 25 years? What will happen to Christ Church in 30 years, in 50 years? What happened to the PCUSA? It went bad. What happened to the United Methodist Church? It went bad. What happened? I just go down the line, right? Is there any hope that this church won't go bad? Yes, there is. Praise God. But if it doesn't, may there be peace and truth while we are here. We will not give up the truth while we are alive. We will hold fast to it no matter what our children do. No matter what judgments come from the Lord. We've learned to humble ourselves before him. And to say the word of the Lord, his judgment is good. We know God's promise of judgment on nations such as ours. Nations of bloodshed. And so let us humble ourselves like Hezekiah and pray. He was a man of prayer, wasn't he? And God answered his prayers.